This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 69. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. Hey, what's up? What's going on, BTM tribe? We're back for another installment, guys. This is the BTM podcast, a podcast dedicated to lifestyle design before the millions. And guys, I'm excited for this episode. Like, I feel like I say that every episode, but I mean, I have awesome guests that come on the show every single episode, so I have the right to be excited. And today's guest is actually the mentor of a few previous guests. So you think about mentor lineages and Jay Massey, which is today's guest, has mentored a few of the guests that have been on the show. So you know that he's a big deal. And it's funny because our conversation was so riveting, guys. You're going to love it. You're absolutely going to love it. It's going to be one of those to where whether or not you're a real estate investor, you're an entrepreneur, you're an employee, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever course that you're taking, whatever things that you're going through right now, whatever problems that you're trying to overcome. If you listen to this episode and some of the things that me and Jay talk about, some of the analysis that we do, some of the analogies that we kind of bring up and some of the pictures that we paint, you're going to be super motivated to take some action towards your goal. Guaranteed. So before we even get into the episode, guys, you have to you have to share this episode with one or two people. Share this episode now with one or two people. Let them know that this episode is going to be a mindset shift for them. If there's something that you're struggling with, something that you're thinking about starting, something that you're thinking about pursuing, but you just don't have everything dialed in. You just don't know the right steps. You just don't know if this is the right time. Listen to this episode and this episode will reinforce your confidence, will get you to that next level. I promise you. Now, this episode was recorded about two, maybe two and a half months ago when I was in Houston. And you guys know I've been on, on a long travel stint. A few weeks ago, I was in Dubai. I'm currently in Singapore, guys. And Singapore is amazing. My first time here, and I'm absolutely in love. Here all by myself. And I mean, this traveling by yourself is so much different than traveling with family or traveling with friends. It's such a different experience. And, you know, I've been going to restaurants and I've been going to shows and I've been going to concerts. <sighs> Man, guys, there's just so much I've done out here and it's it's been simply amazing. And I, it's one of those things to where I'm exposing myself to such a different culture and I'm doing it alone to where I can really soak up what it is that Malaysians, people that live here, what it is that they go through on a day to day basis, what it is that they think about, how they operate. I'm learning the history of this place. And it's beautiful. By the time this episode actually launches, so I believe I'll be in Taipei, Taiwan. And that's going to be amazing as well. I'm going to go ahead and proclaim it now because 
that's just how every place has been. I mean, you can take away something from every single spot on the globe. That's why I love this podcast and what we talk about, because lifestyle design truly opens your mind. Speaking of opening your mind, Jay is going to do that. The conversation that we have today is really, really, really going to kick things into gear for you. So again, whether or not you're a real estate investor, you're an entrepreneur, you're an employee, you're an employer, we all have things that we go through. We all have things that we face. We all have things that we want to get started. We all have things that we procrastinate on. And I actually just got done listening to the episode and I was just like, man, I mean, it's 4 a.m. right now in Singapore, 4 a.m. And I'm just amped up, ready to go, trying to knock out some work, trying to to see what else it is in my business that I can do to keep it moving forward. So I'm not giving you guys a long intro today. We want to just kind of jump right into the show because I know that you're going to love it. And this is one of those shows, guys, that you're going to you're going to definitely have to pass on to your friends. So without any further ado, let's get to the show. DeRay's Tip of the Week. You know, Jay mentioned something on today's show. He said, just because something is passive doesn't mean that it's permanent. Now, this message had a very profound effect on me and not at the time that he said it, because he said this back. I mean, we recorded this episode back in May or June of this year, 2018. And when I re-listened to this episode this month here in August of 2018, while I've been away from the U.S. all month. It's holding to be true, especially for me in my situation. I'm realizing that although I'd like to believe that my business is set up perfectly for me to work anywhere around the world, there are some tweaks and modifications that need to be made. There's a whole lot of ups and downs and a lot of things that I'm not able to tend to because I'm halfway across the world. And I realized that there are certain leaks in my business. And I wouldn't have realized this if I didn't step away for a month if I didn't work remote for a month. So I'm glad that I'm doing this now. And I'm glad that I'm coming to this realization now so that I can nip it in the butt. But I realized that my location independent business has some flaws, needs my attention. He also mentioned in that in that same sentence that passive income, passive assets are managed actively, whether that's you managing them directly or you managing a manager that manages them. And right now, the manager's of my passive assets aren't doing such a good job. And of course it comes at the most inopportune time because I'm halfway across the globe. But again, having these realizations, having these hiccups in my business, allow me to improve. So you guys see how I hit that instant reframe? You know, half the problems that are going on right now, I could totally just shut down, which I've, I've done in the past. I mean, I'm human, but in the past year, in the past maybe year and a half, I've learned to reframe a lot of the things that goes on. I've learned to think of any and everything that happens to me or for me or because of me as a benefit, as a chance for improvement, as a chance for reinforcement, as a chance for a change in direction, as a chance for growth. Nothing negative goes unmerited, meaning that any and everything that happens to me or my business, I'm going to find a way to make that a win. So I kind of just gave you guys a couple nuggets, but the primary consensus of the tip of the week is that just because something is passive, just because your business or your asset is a passive asset doesn't mean it's permanent. You still need systems. You still need processes. You still need to manage it or manage the manager. There aren't very many things in this world that are truly, truly 100% passive. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And if you do find things that are truly passive, I guarantee that you can optimize those things if you had an active role in it. Now, the argument is how active do you want to be? What are you giving up to be active? Are you giving up some of your time, some of your freedom, your location? So different people, I mean, there's a seesaw effect there, right? So different people are going to be comfortable with certain levels 
of activity, point blank period. If you're looking to be a lifestyle design entrepreneur, you're going to want to let go of a lot of day-to-day tasks. There's a lot of bad that comes with that. Let's not call it bad. There's a lot of feedback that comes with that. There are metrics that you're going to want and need to monitor. So again, guys, the tip of the week is that just because you have something passive doesn't mean you should fully neglect it. You shouldn't even halfway neglect it. Stay on top of your passive assets, else they not be permanent, which is what you want, right? Permanent passive assets. So anyways, guys, let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. Who better to have on the show than a lifestyle entrepreneur, a full-time real estate investor, a popular podcast host, the author, speaker, coach, all-around problem solver, Mr. Jay Massey. Jay, how's it going? I am pretty excited to be here today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> nice, I like nice. the all-around problem solver part because that is very, very true. That is true. And we will get into some of the problem solving that you've done. Let's take it back all the way in the time machine, Jay. Let's talk about your younger, your formative years. We're not unveiling Jay Massey yet. We're just kind of trying to figure out who's this little boy and what has he been up to? Well, when you asked me to think back at when, and was I entrepreneurial from the get go? I have to answer yes, because I was that kid that would buy candy in bulk and resell it at school all the time because that's kind of like that was my thing i was like i'm gonna find a way to earn extra money to honestly just go play more video games it wasn't really like i was doing something special with it i just had this desire for technology and things that i wanted to to play with and my mom was like you have to go get your own money type of thing if you want to make that stuff happen so that's something that has always been there or in the back of my mind in some way shape or form but I, i had the privilege of growing up overseas. So I've, you know, spent a significant amount of time in Germany, etc. And I think that definitely influences uh, a lot of the things because I mean, if you ask me anything about the 1980s, I don't know it because I wasn't in the United States at all. So I'm horrible at trivia in that regard. But what it did do is that it allowed me to see a lot of different cultures, a lot of different people, a lot of different things. So being able to be adaptable, I guess, is where I'm going with that. Growing up in, in a military household, you learn to be adaptable regardless. And that's one of the number one skill sets required for an entrepreneur. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And I think that's fascinating. I never thought about it as a positive thing. You know, I had a background in which I I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. And Less than two weeks after that, I moved to Africa. I moved to Nigeria for about two years, and I moved to London for about a year. And then when I finally came back to the States, I went to four different elementary schools, three different middle schools, and you know, <laughs> life was constantly changing. And I never, you know, just recently have I started to think about my childhood and why I am the way I am. And, you know, thinking about this in the past week, and then you saying that, I'm just like, hmm, that's a great reframe that you have. So let's talk about how your adaptability kind of helped you start your journey. Well, what it comes down to is the chief skill that an entrepreneur must be able to do is to take in feedback. And one of the reasons that adaptability is required is because usually you start, I mean, if, if, like me, you know, you have an idea, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. Let's go. And then you go out into the marketplace and the marketplace starts to give you feedback. And sometimes that feedback can be rejected and that's a mistake. We need to be able to listen to that feedback, take in that feedback, chew the meat and spit out the bones, proverbial, as they say. And you can't do that if you believe that the way that you wanted to do it or the vision that you had is the way that it must be. And we must be open to changing 
you know, based upon the economic environment, the climate, whatever, especially in the real estate world. Because there are times where, you know, going out there to acquire properties using leverage uh, makes a, a ton of sense. And then depending on your financing strategies and what type of leverage you're using and what the deal structure is, you've got to be really, really hyper adaptable, especially in the financing capacity. So being able to read the tea leaves, as they say, and know what to do because, you know, the climate has changed is important. I mean, I have the fortune of living in sunny Southern California. So no, I don't own an umbrella because I'm statistically never going to need one. (laughs) So rarely. Whereas if I lived somewhere else, you know, where it actually rains a lot and the weather changes to not have an umbrella would be silly. And I would need to put more work into making sure I was dressed appropriately and prepared. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that makes perfect sense. So let's maybe take a step down your path a little bit further. Let's maybe talk sure. about your teenage years or, you know, maybe your early 20s. And what, what did you start progressing to? What did you start doing at this time? Well, early 20s, I thought I was supposed to be in uh, in college. <laughs> and that I say I thought because it took me a while to realize that it took me four years in college to realize I should have never been in college. And then I finally dropped out. So I was supposed to be in college because I had natural aptitude for math and sciences. I thought I was going to be an engineer. I was doing the pursuing a double major in engineering and and, uh, electrical engineering and computer engineering technology. That stuff, what I now know is that it was just, I was just bored because it was like that stuff was easy. It was that guy that could show up to class, never study, but still pass the test. But I was bored and I didn't realize that that was the big issue. So, but at At the same time, while going to school, I still found a way to get three jobs because I was going to figure out how to get this money thing. And at the time, I thought it was go to school, get good grades, get a job. That's what I was told. So much so that I even asked like my instructors, I was like, hey, if I learn this, will I earn six figures? That was like the question of the day because I never really wanted to learn the differential equations and all the stuff that we had to do. It's like, I don't see a point in needing to learn this. but if you say yes, then okay, I'll learn it. And that's what they said. They said, yeah, you learn this, you can earn six figures. I'm like, okay, cool. Then let's go. But I found that 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 wasn't necessarily a requirement, <laughs> but it took a number of years to figure that out. But so I spent a lot of time uh, in the early twenties figuring out what I wanted to do. I, I did show up to basketball class because that was awesome and that was fun. <laughs> but the rest of them, I kept blowing off. And then uh, believe it or not, I, I did a stint as a runway modeling. Because, hey, you know, that was at least interesting and fun and challenging. So that, that was definitely the, the early 20s. And then that was also the time we ended up moving out to California because I thought I was going to continue to pursue the acting and modeling thing. But that's when I ended up in uh, what it, customer service, selling Apple equipment via mail order catalog. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty awesome. Would you, would you say that that's more frequent than not? People that kind of move towards that side of the world to kind of pursue acting, modeling, fashion, things of that nature. Would you say that's more that's more often the case than not? Or well, if you're going to go film, you're usually going to go West Coast. If you're going to go TV or stage, sometimes you go East Coast, especially in the stage world. So I thought I was going the film route. That was my original plan, but obviously (laughs) that was not to be, but I will say this, people come to California because they're seeking opportunity. 
of various kinds. And generally, as California goes, so goes the nation, right? You know, the new things come out here first in, in a lot of ways, or at least historically, that's been the case. And I think that's what a lot of the population is looking for. For sure. For sure. So you, you talked about your, your plan and I want to kind of dive into your plan a little bit further. Now you, you dropped out. Now, did you have a plan before you dropped out as for what you would do after you dropped out or did you kind of drop out and you're like, since I have all this time, I'm going to find a way to find something to do that's going to yield me some kind of income. Okay. So let's be clear. Plan is not a word anyone uses to associate anything with me. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly, it was a Wednesday <laughs> and I came up with the idea of, Hey, why don't we move to California? <laughs> and I'm sure by that weekend we were gone. I'm pretty positive. I've never officially said, went anywhere, did any sort of disenrollment. We just left. Jay, who's we? <laughs> My oldest daughter. She's uh, now 21. Her mother and I were living together at the time. So we just, left (laughs) there was uh not any sort of neatly tying up a bow and plant let me let me be really clear as in our plan for where we were going to stay consisted of calling someone and saying hey we are on our way to california can we stay with you when we get there Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And I think that goes back to some of your, your personality traits. We talk about the adaptability growing up. We talk about, right. you know, and it seems like probably, you know, being a military family at the drop of a dime. So that was something that you were used to, that you were accustomed to. So, right. when, you know, to, for Jay to be an adult, I mean, this is, you know, ingrained in, in Jay and who he is. So let's maybe talk about, you know, progressing forward. Let's talk about when this, you know, again, we're reframing this to be a positive, but when this adaptability became useful for you, became like a pivotal moment in which you were able to adapt to something and you were able to thrive because of that adaptation. Well, here's the thing. And I know this now only in retrospect, this adaptability, this ability comes with it some very significant benefits that that's chief among what has allowed us to have the experiences that we had and help the people that we help and serve the people that we serve is that there's, there comes with it a confidence that we will figure it out. And because that core foundation of, well, I don't know, but we'll figure it out. So let's keep moving. That gives me the ability to try a a new type of business. Like I, I may not need to know everything about it. I just need to know enough to take the next step. And so long as I know the next step, I'm good. Let's just keep moving. What's the next step? I don't need to worry about step number 12 right now because right now I need to worry about this next step. I mean, I often tell people this skill set or this uh, being flexible like this. I mean, a good example is is I'll use a wedding analogy. Like I've got four children, the youngest of which my youngest daughter is eight. So, and this would still be true of even my 21 year old for that matter. If any of my daughters came to me today and said, dad, I have to have my wedding dress like right now. Okay. Well, that's true. If they're going to get married, a wedding dress is usually a part of the thing. But the question is, is do they have to have it right now? Because there are a number of things that come in front of 
needing that wedding dress. Now, I've often told and asked audiences, hey, when, when do you need the wedding dress? And depending on their, you know, <laughs> personalities, they'll say at different times. But here's the truth of the matter. You really don't need that wedding dress until just before the back of the church doors open and the bride is revealed for the first time. At any time before then, you don't really need it because you need it at that exact moment. In fact, if you haven't chosen, if you haven't been proposed to and you're not engaged and you don't even have a boyfriend, all these other things, these are the things that are out of order, which is why it would be weird if my daughter asked me that today because there are so many other steps that have to come before she needs the wedding dress. However, as an entrepreneur, or as a would-be business owner, or as someone looking to take on a new line of capital or whatever you're doing, whether it's raising capital, getting a new apartment building, it doesn't really matter. You always get them out of order. We say things like, well, how can I write an offer if I don't know what the electric bills are? Well, you don't need to know the electric bills to be able to write an offer. Well, how on earth can I even make an offer if I don't have the funding? Well, you won't get the funding until you have something real to actually talk about to people who have the the resources. And we play this game with ourselves that keeps us, quote unquote, thinking about real estate. And one of the things that has helped me unknowingly, I mean, I didn't know it, I know it today, is the simple fact of being willing to just take the next step and be okay with not knowing what the next step, what comes next after that is until I'm there. Uh, one of my mentors used to put it this way. He just simply said, you know, Jay, go as far as you can see. And when you get there, you'll see further. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's, again, something that, that you know, we iterate many times on the show. I mean, you talk about taking a trip. Like, you know, I'm in Houston, Texas right now, Jay. And if I wanted to come out to sunny California and come see you. And, and no umbrella required. No umbrella required. But, you know, <laughs> on the way, especially around now, on the way, there's a whole lot of fog. And mm. you know, with the fog, you can barely see a meter, two meters ahead of you. That's enough to get people to be like, you know what? I'll just go tomorrow. I'll just go next week. I'll just right. get started you know, in the future. That's a hazard. Or I can kind of look up the route and I can see on my Apple Maps GPS that there is a lot of red. So that means there's a lot of traffic on the way to you. I can be like, I'll go tomorrow. I'll wait till it dies down. I'll wait for this. Yep. You know, I can look at my gas tank and I can be like, well, you know, if I try to go get gas today, it's going to be three cents more expensive than if I get it, get it tomorrow. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, these are the things that we do. Yeah. If you relate this to real estate, I mean, this is how people think. You know, let me get this free ebook. And because I've taken this small little action step, this means I'm doing something in my business. This means I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a real estate investor. I'm not saying that ebooks are bad, but I'm just saying that there's so many baby steps that we either take. Right. Just believe that we're actually propelling forward and we're not actually doing anything. We're just wasting time. Or there's this fear that if we did anything, there's this daunting thing in the future that's going to prevent us from achieving our goal. So we shouldn't get started. And <laughs> using right. that fog analogy, if you start driving in the fog, right. what happens as you scoot up two meters? You, you see another scooter. meter. Exactly. So it's one of those things to where the biggest problem is getting started. Once you get started, yeah, you're going to have antelopes or deers run across the street. You're going to have rain. You're going to have sleet. You're going to have snow. But the fact that you've gotten started, you started down this path, you've started on your journey, you've started towards a goal that you deem worthy, far less likely to give up. You're far less likely to turn around. You're far less likely to doubt yourself. You're far more likely to look at the roadblocks ahead and be like, I can overcome that. I can get past this. 
Yeah, no, one of the things that I've often said to people is like, once you get started, stay started. <laughs> because sometimes, you know, as you were saying, the, the deer and the antelope can derail us and we lose sight of the goal at the end of the day because I liken it to, as a human being, and everybody can relate to being hungry, but if you're hungry and you need to get to the store or, you know, the grocery store to get something to eat, no one that I'm aware of says, you know what? There's going to be a red light on the way, so I'll just starve. <laughs> no one says, I'll wait until all the lights are green. That's when I'll leave my house. You'd never leave. Again, you'd starve. No one on the way to the grocery store sees a detour sign and says, ah, you know what? I guess grocery stores aren't for me. Food's not for me. So, oh, well, I, I, this detour sign, I, I'm going to go back home and starve. Some people, they, you just got lucky you got to the grocery store. You, had the, you got lucky. You know, the, your, your street was clear. My street wasn't clear. So I, I, I obviously don't go to grocery stores. It, when I say it that way, though, you laugh. But it's the, same, it's the same idea. It's the same concept. But being willing to free fall, to be adaptable, to know that you're about to be into a new universe with, and, and it's going to be unfamiliar. Yeah. You know, looking back. I can see how that, that, that has helped. I mean, you know, that, that helped when we're writing the first offer. Cause when we wrote our first offer, we were squatting in bank owned property. I just want to be really clear here. The squatting in bank owned property. I had a punctured lung. I was born with asthma. I could not walk and talk simultaneously without fainting. My wife was pregnant at the time. She could not eat or drink because of a condition known as hyperemesis. So she's hospitalized. It's crazy what's going on. And at that time, in that state to write someone else an offer that says, hey, I will buy your house. Now, mind you, I did not have money because if I did, I would have paid my electric bill, but I did not have the money that I was offering. I just had to trust that if I would find a way, if the deal was good enough, I'd find a way to raise or find the capital. I did not have a database. I didn't have a Facebook friend. I didn't have no Instagram. I didn't have no, I had me, period. And we had to go out there. We wrote the offer. We found the people that we that had the money to do a rehab who I had never met before. I didn't have some super advantage in that department, but I just trusted that each next step would be revealed along the way and that we just kept moving forward. From there, that's how we got to hundreds of units in, in commercial properties. From there, that's how, uh, that's how I tackled the new stuff. How, how did you suddenly build a portfolio of notes when you don't know a lot about banking and notes? Well, we'll learn it along the way. How did you start buying 10 houses and 25 and 50 or 35 houses at a time? Well, we'll learn how to do that on the way. Well, how did you start raising tens of millions? Of dollars? We'll learn it on the way. Uh, but what about this? And you don't know this. And okay, do I need to know that? No. All right. If I don't need to know it, then I don't have time for it right now. When I need to know it, that's when I'll take the time to learn it. It's, and it's the very same strategy that has made Walmart the giant that they are today. They call it just-in-time inventory. I call it just-in-time learning. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's the same prognosis that Jerry, uh, Jerry Seinfeld also gives. He says, and I'm going to butcher his quote, but he says everything... <laughs> Everything. Actually, I want to. Let me see if I can find it in less than less than three seconds. Google knows everything, man. <laughs> he says you don't need to know anything. Everything that you need to know, you'll figure it out when you need to know it. Even if you miscalculate and make a wrong decision, 
you needed to know that. And man, Jay, I think that's so powerful to know. Right. That's so powerful to internalize because again, most of the, the risk that most of us take is the risk of not doing anything. I mean, you're going to miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Right. And it's one of those things to where most of us were stuck. I, I know I was a few years ago. I was stuck in what I believed to be at the time. What I what was told to me, similar to you, was this was the dream job. They told me to go to school. They told me to go to college. They said, "Hey, mm-hmm. what you're going to do is you're going to join the biggest, baddest accounting firm in the world, and you're going to be set for life. You're going to work your butt off for 15 years." You're going to get paid. You're going to be fulfilled doing the things that you do, working for the clients that you work. And then in 15 years, we're going to basically, it's going to all pay off because the 67 hours that you were working and you were making chicken change. Now you're going to be able to work 80, 90 hours and you're still going to be making chicken change. And it's going to be a revolving door of chicken change. Chicken change. It was, it was crazy. And as soon as I got there, I was just like, Oh no, this is not what I, <laughs> this was not as advertised. Exactly. <laughs> I have a question for you, Jay. What, yes. You know, let's take real estate out of the picture. What's one sure. of the or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And this can be an investment of money, an investment of time, or an investment of energy. Got it. So I am nothing without my faith and family. So, but here's the thing. I wouldn't get to exercise my faith in the way that I do without the business being structured the way that it is. I wouldn't be able to get to invest the time that I get to invest with my kids without the business being structured as is, because I would have to be making this choice of quote unquote, go to work versus hang out with the kids. Now that doesn't mean we don't work diligently and often, especially because we're still trying to grow more stuff. But it does mean that I have the freedom of working literally from any geographic location in the world, even though I have real estate, which is primarily location driven, which can be hard to have a location independent profession with etc so we spend more time with the kids than they would like sometimes I'm sure I get to spend a significant amount of time with my wife there are times where I'm sure our neighbors wonder does he ever leave the house or go to work or like mm-hmm. how, how come he's always home and even my kids have noted that from time to time you know uh, they're like how come <laughs> they ask me what's that how come you don't go to work <laughs> well, I'm like Cause, and, and I had to just tell her because daddy chose a different way of working that allows me to still be here with you. And she's like, oh, and you know, and they go on <laughs> a kid and you know, right. it, but in her mind that that's just the way it, that's how it is. And it, it is what it is, but yet they were all deliberate choices in order to make it such that it can work anywhere from as long as I have a cell phone signal or sorry, an internet signal, my cell phone and a tablet. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's what we love to talk about on the show. We love, we love to kind of paint that picture for our listeners because it's a lifestyle that's definitely achievable. And you've been able to do that, Jay. And and let's fast forward down your path a little bit further, maybe in the past five years. And I want to talk about some of the that you've built around your real estate investing, but really quick in the past five years, what belief or what new belief behavior or habit has most improved your life? Probably the biggest thing is realizing that I may want and have everybody's best interest at heart. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have mine. So we've been way more selective on any partners that we've begun to take. But even more importantly than that, 
is that we get a lot of training or you can run into a lot of situations where we hear a lot about, you know, accounting systems and, and finance and, and all this other stuff. But I don't hear enough trainings, especially for entrepreneurs, on simple cash management. That is a, a completely separate skill. We talk about the credit score. We talk about the financing. That's wonderful. But let's talk about the actual cash management practices. Because in the more recent years, like you're mentioning, I've had two different situations. One situation in which a person was able to embezzle somewhere in the neighborhood of $800,000 and that was not fun, then had a completely separate situation in which, well, we just didn't really get what we paid for. And we had paid for a lot of services and again, around $400,000 of services that we did not actually receive, although it looked like we were receiving them, but we really didn't. And these are just, again, these are now just lessons. It makes us smarter. It makes us wiser, et cetera. But from those things have evolved better practices in terms of, like I said, vendor selection, as well as uh, better practices in terms of just cash management procedures and keeping things tighter in control without destroying lifestyle, but yet, and yet at the same time, still being able to grow the business. So it's just a fundamental understanding. And here's the two things, just because passive income, because you, you hear the word passive and you think you're uninvolved. No, that's not true. Passive doesn't mean uninvolved because passive income still requires active management. That's number one. Number two is just because it's passive doesn't mean it's permanent. So passive income can still go away if not treated properly. And you need to make sure you have the, the proper structures and build the proper things that allow you to manage that path. Because if you happen to be working with investors and you don't do a good job with that, I promise you, you're going to find out their emotional makeup and their emotional makeup might cause additional problems because it's not so bad to have bad things happen or things that you didn't intend to occur. It's how you respond to them that really, really, really make everything. And now we're, we're just on this mission to put ourselves in stronger positions such that, you know, partners aren't necessarily required for our new real estate acquisitions, but they're welcomed if we would like them, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And here's my takeaway from a lot of what you just said, Jay, is that, I mean, we're all human. We all have problems. We all face problems. We all have adversity depending on, I mean, regardless of what stage we are, regardless of if we're, you know, a multimillionaire or we're, you know, you know, squatting in a bank in a REO property. I mean, you just, <laughs> we all have problems on different scales and they affect us emotionally. And I see that with your losses, you know, it's a common trait amongst successful entrepreneurs is that with your losses, the, the immediate thing that you said right, right after that was a reframe. You said, but these losses, this $800,000 loss, this $400,000 loss, these allowed me to implement certain systems, certain internal controls, certain procedures. Right. And because you were able to do that, you're all the better for it. Is that right? beyond better. We are so much stronger and more profitable, which is, again, it allows us because the only way, so for those of you who might find yourself in a situation in which you've experienced a loss or debts or whatnot, the only way to get out of that is to create profit. So you must find a way to create profit that is equal to, obviously, or greater than the amount of the loss. So you just paid full price for the lesson you just got. I paid full price for them. So now 
I'm going to go out there and make sure I quote unquote get my money's worth. I mean, if I go and go to a restaurant and spend $20, I want to make sure I get my money's worth. So if I just got an $800,000 or $400,000 lesson, I'm going to make sure I get my money's worth. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that this is turned into what we do at Cashflow Diary is to, to impart these lessons to others so that they can pick up our mistakes and errors at a, at a very severe discount and <laughs> go out there and make things happen. Yeah, I love that. And let's flip that question, you know, in reverse. Let's, let's ask you this. In the past five years, what bad recommendations have you heard or do you hear in your professional, your area of expertise that you're just like, you want to set the record straight? oh okay so the the one here's probably chief among them is that people say things like can i do x you know so let's say real estate can i do x and instinctively i know you want me to say you want to hear me go yes you can the answer is no you can't and stress on the you what i mean by this is simply the version of you that's in front of me right now can't. You must be willing to become a different person. Very few people are open to that message. They're like, but Jay, I just want to go write some offers. I just want to go do this. That's wonderful. You still need to become a different person because in the process of acquiring real estate or any business, you are assuming more responsibility. And in the case of real estate, you're assuming responsibility for someone else's housing. Depending on how large your portfolio gets, you're now assuming the responsibility of someone else's housing and someone else's job because that's what you are taking on. Are you the person who's able to handle that kind of responsibility at the moment? And if not, are you willing to become that? Which is the more important question. Most people want to hear that it's easy. They want to hear that it's possible for them. And and it is, but it's possible for this future person that they are not yet. And I have to spend a significant portion of time drilling through their heads that, hey, we have to go through this process so that you become the person capable of handling the, the, the wealth and resources and abilities that you're talking about. But not everybody makes it through the development and transformation process. And that's unfortunate. But that's also what has gotten me excited about some of our more recent activities is because the time between the reward system, because, you know, when it's real estate, you got to put a lot of little skills together in order to get one transaction done. And the time between that can be, you know, it varies for a person, but it can take some time, sometimes long enough for people to let go of their dreams. Yeah, that's gold. And, you know, it's one of those things I, I hate to see that happen. And, you know, again, it's like there's so many preventative measures you can take. One is having a mentor, two is swallowing a proven system, so on and so forth. You have to have the desire more than anything. You have to have made a decision more than anything. You have to have have confidently told yourself and, and internalized the fact that you're not going to fail, that it's only feedback and you got to keep going. And, you know, Jay, I want to switch subjects a little bit before sure. we get to the last portion of the show. And that was simply gold, by the way. But, you know, we know that you've built up a massive portfolio of investments. And, you know, it's one of those things to where we could, we could quite simply just focus on that alone. But I want to talk about the businesses that you've been able to build in response or in addition to your real estate investing, you mentioned cash flow diaries. And I want you to talk about some of the, maybe the, they may be platforms, they may be businesses. I'm not sure at this point, but I'm sure you'll, you'll explain that to us. But talk about some of the businesses that you've been able to build surrounding your real estate investments. Well, that's what I've learned to, to understand about entrepreneur in this journey is that where you start isn't necessarily where you stay. 
understand, I, I don't necessarily like real estate. <laughs> I like the benefits that real estate produces. <laughs> okay. So those are two completely different things. And through that, what happened is that, you know, when you are the person who's squatting a bank on property, and then later you're the person owning cell phone towers, commercial property, and all this other stuff, people start asking questions. And I just started answering them. And then it became this thing where uh, two of my business mentors had passed away and I was like, man, if that had been me, what, what would I have left for my kids? And I began to document what uh, we were doing. And that's when the first idea of a diary came to my mind. And I was like, well, what kind of diary is this? And I'm like, it's a diary of how to make cash flow. I'm like, okay, cool. We'll call it a cash flow diary. Ta-da. And then someone said, you know, I bet you adults would want to know that information too. <laughs> so I was like, oh, got it. There you go. And that's how the podcast and everything else has been born because we've been listening to the feedback that we get from the students. We're like, hey, you need this? Okay, cool. No problem. I've done that. Let's document that process too. I'm doing that right now. Let's document that process. And that's literally how we do it. But at the end of the day, obviously, that education company in and of itself has become something completely different. Well, from that, we have morphed into a short-term rental provider. So that way, we still get to leverage the benefits of real estate or having real estate or using real estate in a certain way. And we've been going through this transition of uh, disposing of everything that we have and moving it closer to home. For two reasons. One, one of the original reasons to even go out east, uh, meaning east of California, was, you know, economics, the dollars go further the, as the land gets cheaper and you can get higher rates of return. Well, if we change the customer that we're serving from a traditional tenant to a short term tenant, I can get the same rates of returns and I can do so in my own backyard. And it has the benefit of actually providing an example to my younger kids of what dad does and they get to participate in the business and they get all kinds of excited. And what this has turned into is so many more opportunities for additional services and businesses. And, you know, to the point today, I think on any average month, we probably give away 40 to maybe as much as $50,000 of business to other businesses, simply because of the amount of referrals that we're generating for them, et cetera. And, and that feels good too. So while we may not, while I may not be creating additional businesses, because each one of the places that we're sending referrals to, we could easily go create another vertical and another business for. I'm enjoying the fact of helping other small business owners run and have customers and build their business as well. So it's been kind of interesting, you know, watching it all develop and, and making it go. But that's, that's, that's where we're playing right now. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I love that. And again, going back to lifestyle design, you've built the exact designed lifestyle that you've wanted. I mean, it, like you said, wanted to build verticals. It's something that you're, you're able to do. You have the knowledge, you have the expertise. I mean, you have the connections to be able to do that. But it goes back to what Jay wants and what type of lifestyle he wants to live, what type of lifestyle he wants his family to, to have. And I love that. And this is the last question of this segment before we move on to the last segment of the show. And it's when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling... Un- <laughs> I like how you started that with wind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> As entrepreneurs, I mean, we have ups, we have downs. We have all of the common feelings and traits and emotions that, that I mean, everybody else has. But you know, we like to, we like to highlight the good stuff. We like to highlight, well, this is what I'm 
clothes on. This is what I just did. This is how I'm doing. This is how much I haven't really, you know, it's one of those things to where, and I know that you're, you're a big advocate of this, that it's our failures that really define us. It's our moment of in clarity that shows us how to, I mean, where to find clarity, how to be less emotional or how to be more emotional, whatever it is. I mean, that's where we grow when we, when we have these constant frictional moments. So whenever you're feeling overwhelmed, whenever you're feeling unfocused, or you maybe lost focus temporarily, what do you do? How do you get yourself back in the swing of things? Or maybe what questions do you ask yourself? Got it. So, and what's funny is that that actually became a course that we created as well, because uh, that, that same process was, was necessary. And, and focus is, is key. But one of the things that I've had to, to learn about myself, because I've, you know, in working with my, my son and through this process, I have, we've discovered that I was diagnosed with autism as well as ADHD and, I, and then I've never known it. So it's a late in life diagnosis. It's kind of interesting, but I, I share that because focus is paramount. It's one of the things that it is a challenge to, to maintain and unbeknownst to me, I've developed a lot of coping mechanisms to make sure that when it's time to focus, I focus. And chief among them is questions are the answers. You are 100% right. The, the way to do that is questions. And I ask myself questions like probably one of the best questions you can ask yourself. Because when you're wondering, why am I off track? First of all, what was on the track? But more importantly, was what you're pursuing big enough to keep you focused? Meaning, if it took you 10 years, to do and to achieve and actually realize whatever it is that you're after. But it took 10 years, lots of ups and a whole bunch of downs, but 10 years, would it be worth it? Would there still be a smile on your face? And if the answer is no, and if you're not already excited about the idea of possessing what it is that you're achieving, and I don't care what it is, it could be a great relationship, it could be excellent time with your kids, I, I don't really care. But whatever it is, if it doesn't put a smile on your face, it's not big enough. It's not actually exciting enough for you. I love this. So it needs to be bigger. Because what happens is we get disconnected from our ability to dream. You know, as a kid, my kids right now, you ask them, they can dream. They have no limits on that, like literally no limits. <laughs> as adults, that dream dies and we get, I'm being realistic. Okay, wonderful. But realism isn't exciting you to actually get up and do the extra energy and the extra work. You're trying to give birth to an entity that takes Lots of more energy than just getting up, being a drone, sitting in your car, going to and from, you know, wherever your place of business or work is. It takes more energy to do that. You want the million dollars of revenue? Awesome. You can have it. It's there. Somebody's going to get it, but it's only going to go to the person who is thinking about and keeping and holding fast to the vision that they have set before themselves so that they can endure the, the pain that happens in, on the way, on the journey to, to getting it. And for most people, most of us, when we do that, what has happened is that we, we just lost sight of what it is that we've wanted, or maybe we ended up getting it and we haven't reset something that's even bigger in front of us to actually go out there and achieve it. And, and that could happen too. And that's one of the things that we've, we've got to stay present to is, hey, this is what I'm after. And if it took me 10 years to do it, not only would it be worth it, but I would still have a big smile on my face. So whatever this light and momentary trouble is that I'm going through, it's a light and momentary. And it's, it's okay. It won't matter at the end of the day. Chief, after that, I asked myself questions. And, and this is the more important question, actually, that most people, this is the deep work, uh, if you will, that people won't do is 
we enjoy the process of thinking about what happens if we get it. But let's more importantly think about what happens if you don't. Like more importantly, what would you think about yourself? If you didn't do it, knowing what you know today, if you didn't take advantage of these opportunities and the opportunity went and blew up right in your face, like you, you know that there's a, a property that you should write an offer on, but you don't do it. You watch someone else come and not only uh, write the offer, acquire that property, transform it, turn it into a fourplex, maybe build a hotel. I don't know, whatever. And you watch that person skyrocket. How would you feel knowing that you were right there and could have done the same thing? How would your family feel about the, the situation that they're now in? Like, for example, if you don't do what you know you need to be doing right now, project forward 10 years. Does that improve your financial situation in any way, shape, or form? Does it improve the, the level of vacations that you, you get to take? The, does it improve the quality of time that you do get to invest with your kids and family and the loved ones and the people you care about? And you're like, Jay, I don't care about anybody. Cool. Does it improve the time you get to spend with yourself? All right. <laughs> the point is we, we must realize what's at stake because we don't, we're, we're way too comfortable. We don't know what's at stake. We, it's not in front of our faces every day. Why? Because we live in such a great country especially for those of us in the United States. We live, despite all the problems, I'm not saying it's perfect because it is not, all right? The leadership issues, social issues, the issues exist, but guess what? People are still, someone right now is risking their very life to get here. Why? Because what we have is better than what they currently have. And we forget that. We're just disconnected to it. I mean, we go to the wall, we flip on the switch, and guess what? There's electricity. We go to the, to the bathroom, we turn the faucet. Oh, look, clean running water. Uh, we, now to, nowadays, you've got apps on your phone. Food comes to you hot and ready. Your choice. You know, we, we've got everything handed to us to such a degree we've lost touch with that inner human spirit, that, that, that self-employed spirit, that, that spirit that founded the country. And, and we forget what's at risk because one of the silent killers that you can't feel on a day-to-day basis is inflation. The second is taxes. And just ask any of our senior citizens if they feel it. They feel it today. I promise you it wasn't their plan, but what's at stake? And because we don't keep that present and forefront in our mind, you know what? Another episode of Grey's Anatomy it is. Yes. <laughs> so that, that's what it comes down to. I've never watched Grey's Anatomy, so don't be emailing me. I like Grey's. I don't know. I know nothing about it. You get my point, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, I want you guys to go back and rewind the past two and a half, three minutes of what Jay just said. I mean, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. Just, I mean, just that soundbite alone. And Jay, I don't know if you, you're aware of this, but I wow. do own all rights to the sound bites, the quotables that you gave. <laughs> Knock yourself out, man. Whatever's going to help people. I'm just playing. But you know, seriously, that was so good. That was so good. So guys, rewind that over again and play that again in your head. It's one of those things to where if you ask yourself those two questions, I mean, that first question, when you put in perspective what realism is, I was just like, wow, like that's gold. And we live in a state of realism to where so much in a state of realism to where we never actually take leaps of faith. And it, it's crazy. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? The Bible. 
and why? <laughs> Most people don't realize it, but it's one of the best personal development business books on the planet. <laughs> it literally has the rules of how to treat and interact with people. I'm not saying I'm the best at following all the rules. I try. That That's the goal. The goal is seeking that perfection. But when you feel lost and you don't know how to interact with people, you don't know how to do things or you're looking for that inspiration and that courage, you got to understand, I am naturally introverted and shy, period. And when you go into business, one of the chief things you've got to do battle against is yourself. So growing up, mom said, don't talk to strangers, especially in a foreign country, which is where I am all the time. Don't talk to strangers. Soon as you say, I'm an entrepreneur, guess what you got to spend your life doing? talking to strangers. And if it wasn't for specifically Jeremiah chapter one, I don't know that I would have ever been able to master cold calls. I don't know that I would have never, never been able to master speaking on stage and microphones. All of these things that I do today started with that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you just had to save that for the last two minutes of the show. We, I would have loved to expand it on that. <laughs> That's insightful. Uh, what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. So I have been an Apple fanboy, uh, admittedly, for at least a decade. Earlier this year, though, I switched over to the Android camp. And I have found so much more productivity in the way that I work because I, I do lots of communications with my teams, et cetera. And I tend to communicate a lot with screenshots and annotated documents, et cetera. And the Samsung Note, the, the phone in and of itself, just the functionality, how it works for that has been amazing to say the least. But if you're going to put me on the spot and make me choose one app right now, you can hear the sense of struggle already <laughs> in my voice, right? I'm actually right now, I'm going to have to say that I have this, this love affair with the app called Close, C-L-O-Z-E, because app allows the you know just this nice neat string of communication history connecting to google drive and dropbox or when they've sent attachments to people i can just click on their name i see all of the stuff that we've ever said back and forth and it's and it works on you know the desktop it works on the in the browser works on my phone it works seamlessly and it's just allowing me to get more done and to keep the relationships in the right way I love that. Love that. And that app will be in the show notes. So definitely check that out. I'm definitely um, upset about the fact that you switched to the Android camp. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It was a thing. I, I literally, I legit had to have a 30 minute conversation with my mom and with a lot of the people in our database because they know, because again, I grew up in business using Apple stuff and I, I have all of this. I mean, Apple is still great. However, <laughs> I've now taken, a, we'll call it a trip to the dark side, and I'm kind of liking some of the productivity I've been able to achieve. I love that. And yeah, I mean, I've for a while now, and I'm not, I'm going to cut this out of the episode, hopefully, um, but I've known for a while now that Android has a lot better features and they've always came out with <laughs> or Apple. Again, this is not going to be on the episode. This may be on our episode. I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> anyways, next question. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I enjoy the most helping other entrepreneurs to do it. So because of the way it's designed, 
I get the freedom to invest time with our database and other people to help them develop the same thing. Like when, you know, someone just last year, okay, so understand this is, it's barely been 12, 18 months ago, they were in their job and not loving, not loving life. But in the 18 months that we've been working together, not only have they been able to, to start a thriving short-term rental business, they have now gone on to purchase 20 acres of land. And now they're in the process of, of taking that 20 acres of land and developing it into another to 20 places to stay as short-term rental places in a in a glamping sort of way. So that that's like their thing. That's what they, they actually like camping. I'm like, I'm not that person. But because of the ideas and the systems and the structure that we've were able to impart for them, because of the help from the community that that we have she was able to literally quit her job, start a brand new business, buy a piece of real estate, add 20 more units to a, that, understand, the portfolio was zero units. Now we're gonna be talking 24, it's been 18 silly months, come on, man. And to know that that started with, just because I quote unquote, had the time to deposit and document. Oh man, are you kidding me? I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing in itself and uh, so good. So next question, uh, you could tell you could tell I'm refraining from asking follow up questions. And I understand. <laughs> next question. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Well, there's two in particular for me personally, one that I think applies to everybody and one maybe not so much is we must choose sometimes, especially in business, whether we want to be liked or respected. Because sometimes what it takes to be liked isn't what's necessary for the business. And you've got to keep that in mind. And that doesn't mean, you know, be a jerk or be mean or something, but you, you've got to understand where that line is. And the one that I think applies to everybody is there, there's something you, we, we can't do these two things at the same time. We cannot learn and look good as a human we all have a, an addiction, various levels of an addiction to looking good. And because we want to look good, we ask so many questions without taking action. And, and we're afraid to stumble or fall. And we've lost sight of a very important skill set of knowing literally how to fail. We don't know how to fail fast, fail forward, fail frequently. And all we really need to do is look at our children. You know, when they're learning to walk, they don't look good. But... We never say, you know what? Walking's hard. That's okay. You don't have to walk. No, no, no. They have to walk. It's it's an activity of daily living. It's one of the things that they must do. There's no like letting them off the hook. But the kids at that age, they have the advantage of not caring how they look. I mean, hey, mom, I'm walking. Yeah, but your diaper's not on. They don't care. <laughs> they're walking. That That's what they're focused on at that moment. And as we grow up, we start to have this addiction to looking good that prevents us from taking uh, what some would call unreasonable risks because we want to look good. I mean, we went to school, we got the piece of paper, also known as a receipt, also known as a degree, you know, that says I'm supposed to be this, that, or the other, and therefore I can't take this risk now. No, that's completely wrong. I mean, I get it. If you started off on a path that, that really isn't serving you, how much longer are you going to keep investing in that path? You don't have, you can't look good and learn at the same time. I love I'm still in that one too, Jay. Uh, no problem. <laughs> Next question. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? 
we know that I'm going to say Jesus. And then you're going to ask me who else. So I'm going to also say mentors are really important. One specifically in-person mentor is his name is Stephen Craig. He helped me through my own personality and dealing with, like I said earlier, having being a person with Asperger's and the extreme amount of social anxiety, which can keep me, which makes me not want to necessarily talk to strangers. And, but it is, he helped me with that. He helped me learn how to, to interact with people and actually have stable sales conversations. So those things were necessary. They're important. It's kind of like an activity of daily living, right? You, your business can't exist unless someone sells something to somebody else. You must figure that out. You must figure out that sales equals service and you're not manipulating you're not taking you're not doing those things and then one of the other things that I really want to say is that you know for a long time uh, consuming two books a month as a minimum <laughs> it helps and you can get that same type of mentorship through an author's words whether they are alive or not and one of those books and this one is free so you that's also code for you don't have an excuse for not downloading and getting this book because it's in the public domain aka free type it into google it's the science of getting rich by wallace d models it was one of those books that i had on repeat so i'm an audiobook guy so if you want the audiobook it will cost you some money but you can go get the PDF version right now on Google all day long. Read it as many times as you like. It's a short read, quick audio listen. And when I was learning marketing strategies, it, you got to understand my, my initial marketing strategy for my business was from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. I would walk neighborhoods and pass out flyers because that was the time that I had. 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. That's what I did. 600 flyers a night. And while I was walking, I had that audiobook on repeat because that's what it took to make it happen because like I said uh, I had the punctured lung my wife was uh, couldn't eat or drink and between visiting her in a hospital and selling stuff on eBay and trying to make stuff happen and trying to grow a business that I didn't even know what it would turn into 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. is what I had and that's what we did so Jay, you're sure it was an audiobook and not a cassette tape, right? That's messed up, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't an eight track and it wasn't on vinyl, but yeah, it was definitely an audiobook. It was at the beginning of the whole audible audiobook thing, but man, yeah, yeah, it was an audiobook. Nice, nice, nice. I mean, guys, if you guys want to check out that book, I'm actually going to check out that book this week. It's again called The Science of Getting Rich. And guys, you want two free audiobooks? We have you covered. Just visit beforethemillions.com slash book and we can all listen to that book together. Jay, I'm super excited to kind of read this book. I, I too read about two to three, sometimes four books a month. And this is going to shoot right up the list just because you recommended it. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Last but not least, why do you sure. drink so of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions. Again, it, it's similar to what I said earlier about having this addiction to learning and looking good. At the same time, we've heard it said that we have this greatest fear. I mean, one, in civilizations ago, we'll say, there were rites of passages. So there were times very clear that are marked when you're growing up where mom or dad said, you are now, you know, a woman. You are now a man. You are now a part of society X, Y, Z. We don't really do that so much anymore. 
And I say that to say that I think a lot of us are just sitting around awaiting for permission. We're waiting for someone to come dub us and say, you are now knighted to go forth and conquer, right? When in reality, it's up to us to claim and just go. You know, no, we, you don't need anyone's permission. You, you don't need anyone's permission to come up with a great idea, document that idea and distribute it on a podcast today. You need no one's permission to do that. You need no one's permission to, to create a video and start telling people about what you've learned. You need no one's permission to go out there and assemble a product completely from scratch and put it on Amazon and, and sell it. You literally need nobody's permission, quote unquote, to do so, to start marketing, whatever it is, your thing, you just need to go out there and get it done. And a lot of us are, are sitting around waiting for a reason slash excuse. And we're very, very comfortable in what it is. I mean, I've often said that comfort kills dreams and well, it does. Yeah. Well said, Jay. I mean, again, this has been a spectacular episode. You've provided so much value. It's not only myself, but every single listener out there. I've gotten so many nuggets. We've walked through your Before the Million story. We've talked about your earlier formative years. We've talked about Jay now and what you've been able to do in real estate investing and how you've been able to start Cashflow Diary. If the people want to get to know you, get to reach out to you, maybe ask you a question or two, where can they find some of your information? The podcast is at cashflowdiarypodcast.com. Very simple there. And obviously we're Cashflow Diary on all the social media platforms. And you can always just go to cashflowdiary.com. Nice, nice, nice. Well, again, Jay, thank you for your service. And we will talk to you very, very soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Lallier, and let's talk soon.